Welcome to this message from Journey Church. Our hope is that you'd encounter God and His purpose for your journey. Be sure to visit us online at www.journeykc.com. So without further ado, we want to go ahead and and get our focus on the Word of God. And last week we talked about, um, uh, I believe it was the first installment of A Christmas Carol. So let me direct your attention to the video board above as we transition to week number two. Thank you for this day of love and joy. We thank you for allowing us to be together, to share with each other and with you the fullness of our hearts on this special day. Amen. 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 What? You say something? No, no. No, uh, I, th- I thought I heard uh, No, I said nothing. Uh, Peter. Alice. Peter. Linda. Peter, Alice. A very small goose. It's all Bob Cratchit can afford. Me. Are we all served? Yes, yes, yes. Then let's begin. And a Merry Christmas to us all. A Merry Christmas to us all. And God bless us, everyone. Spirit, will he live? I see a vacant place at this table. I see a crutch without an owner, carefully preserved. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, the child will die. No. No, say you'll be spared. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, none other of my species will find him here. But if he is to die, then let him die and decrease the surplus population. All right, that's a classic scene from Scrooge. Uh, how many of you guys have seen a movie like that or one rendition of that? Uh, how many of you guys have already watched it this year, the, the Christmas Carol in some form? Some of you guys have. All right, it's, we know the story. Many of us know the story. It's about Ebenezer Scrooge, who's a miserly old man who thinks money is going to make him happy, but actually money is making him miserable. Everybody knows it but him, really. And so he gets visited by these three spirits, the ghost of Christmas past we talked about last week, and the ghost of Christmas present and the ghost of Christmas is yet to come. And so he begins to see what is happening in the ghost of Christmas present. There are things happening around Scrooge that he does not know, he's not aware of, because his eyes are focused in one one place at a time, and, and it's all focused on him. And so the Spirit brings him around and shows him things that are happening in his present that he had no idea existed. Now, have you guys believe that maybe there are some things in our life that there could be some things happening in our present that our eyes just aren't open to them? And if we could all of a sudden see what's actually happening, that maybe our eyes would be open and we'd see a new perspective too? That's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, recently, I went to a movie with my kids and we went to a 3D movie. How many of you guys have been to a 3D movie? Anybody? 
All right, 3D glasses and all that stuff. And so we're sitting there in the previews, and the previews aren't in 3D, but finally the movie comes on. And we're sitting there, and we put on the glasses, and all of a sudden stuff is just flying at us. I mean, I'm like dodging stuff. I mean, it had to be hilarious to watch me, you know. But we're just like, I mean, the, the words are coming out. I'm, it feels like I'm there. I'm like fighting with Benedict Cumberbatch, fighting all these people off, and it was awesome. And, uh, and I kept taking my glasses off every once in a while thinking, this movie's pretty boring if I don't have these glasses on compared to what I'm seeing with these glasses on. And and that's kind of how it is with us. I believe there is a whole world that we could see that many of us, our eyes are just not open to what is around us, and we're not fully aware of what is happening in the present. So what would it look like if we could see that? And last week we talked about Jacob how Jacob was always running from his past and he had to end up dealing with his past. We talked about three words on how to deal with our past. The word release, we have to release our past. The word repair, how we need to repair our past. And then also finally the word receive, how we have to receive healing and forgiveness in many different areas. And you can go back and check out that message. Uh, Today I want to catch up with Jacob again in Genesis chapter 28. Uh, And we see after he's run from his father's house, he has this encounter. He has this encounter. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. He has this encounter at this place called Bethel where where he's running and all of a sudden we catch up with him in verse 11. It says, and he came to a certain place and he stayed there that night because the sun had set. He took one of the stones of the place and he put it under his head and he laid down in that place and he began to sleep. And as he begins to sleep, he sees this vision. He sees a ladder that touches earth, but it reaches all the way up to heaven. And on this ladder, ascending and descending are angels coming up and down. And he is just like floored by this. He's seeing this vision. Have you guys ever had a dream that just seems so real? I mean, you thought that was so real. That's what's happening to Jacob right now. It's a dream from God. And, and God begins to make these promises to Jacob as he's dreaming. All of a sudden, he wakes up in, in verse uh, uh, 16. It says, then Jacob awoke from his sleep. And this is one of my most curious places. I love this because it just is so revealing many times in my life. It says this, surely the Lord is in this place. And I didn't know it. How many times have we been, and has God been working in our life, and we just all of a sudden became aware of it? How many times have we been in the, in the presence of God, and all of a sudden we, we didn't know it, and then all of a sudden this moment happened where we woke up and we could just sense the presence of God? How many times have we been in our life, and maybe we passed by the moment where God was working in our life, and we did not make ourselves aware of it? That's what happened to Jacob here. All of a sudden, he almost missed a moment where he he was going through life, and all of a sudden, he has an encounter with God. And and he's like, man, the presence of God has been following me. The presence of God is with me. His eyes were open to a world around him that he didn't previously know existed. And here's the phrase that came up in my spirit. You know, because the, the last verse here reads like this. It says, and he was afraid, and he said this. He said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. How many gateways do we have in our life to heaven? How many gateways? This was a gateway to heaven, a gateway to the spiritual things, a gateway to God's presence in Jacob's life. And he didn't even, he almost missed it. So here's what I want you to get in your spirit. Your level of awareness equals your level of access. Your level of awareness to what God is doing determines your level of access and to participate in what God is doing. You see, if you go through life and you are not aware of what God is doing, if you go through life and you're not aware and you almost miss it, you can't get into that gateway of what God wants to do in your life. 
And so your level of awareness equals your level of access. And so today we're going to be talking about how to live in the present, how to be aware of what God is doing in our life right now. How do you know if you're living in the present or not? Well, if you're always worried about the future, how many of you guys have been there before? We're always worried, concerned about planning, thinking about the future. You're not living in the present. If you're always dwelling on the past and the what ifs and the regret and, man, if I could have only, then you're not living in the present. If you're having arguments with people in your head <laughs> that aren't actually in the room, how many of you guys have done that before? I mean, you're like really good in your head, aren't you? I mean, you're like really good. You win every argument. If you're doing that constantly, which we all fall prey to many times, we're not living in the present. And so we want to be people who are aware of what God is doing, of what God is doing, not tomorrow, not yesterday, but in real time. How many of you guys know there's something about what's happening in real time that makes the difference? So today we're going to be participatory. So take out your phones. If you have your phone, uh, make sure they're, they're silenced, okay, uh, so you don't want to be embarrassed. Okay, take out your phone and jump on Facebook. If you've got a Facebook app, many of you guys do, some of you guys don't. Uh, jump on Facebook right now and uh, check in to Facebook right now. Check into Journey church in Facebook. All right, I'm finding it. I had to actually allow Facebook to follow me and the government to track me in first service, which I shut them out first. Uh, so uh, now, I, okay, I've checked into Facebook right now, checking in. All right, so we're all checking in. We're blowing up Facebook right now, checking into Facebook. There's something about that pinpoint of the right now. Have you guys have ever looked on Facebook and you're like, oh, so-and-so's eating Mexican food at that place right now? There's something about knowing the right now. So I'm going to do something uh, that I didn't do until first service this morning. It was the very first time I'd ever done this because I was nervous about doing the live stream. Have you guys have ever done the Facebook live? It's literally you go live uh, on Facebook. And so uh, pull out your phone if you want to participate in this. I am going live right now on Facebook in the middle of my message. All right, so we're connecting. We're connecting, connecting. Okay, go live. Three, two, one. All right, I am live here on Facebook in the middle of the message here at Journey Church. Service number three. Everybody say hi to everybody out on Facebook land. Say hi, everybody. All right, service number three in the middle of my message. Uh, be blessed. We will see you later. All right, so I'm posting that up there. I'm ending my live video. Uh, there's, there we go. All right, ended. Check mark. All right. It's, it's, there it is. It's replaying it back. All right, we're posting that. All right, there we go. All right, so now we just went live in the middle. Now, there's something about being live that is different. There's something about being live because you can't, I mean, whenever I've tried to post something before, I always want to play it first, record it first to make sure that I don't make mistakes and I can edit it and make sure it doesn't look stupid. I don't have something hanging out my nose or, you know, something like that. But we just went for it right there. There's something about being live. So everybody say this after me. Say, my life is going live. Let's say it again. My life is going live. All right, so we're not going to live in the past. We're not going to live a pre-recorded version of ourselves. We're going to live present, live live right now. There's something God-honoring about living life live. And so today we're going to learn how to live in the present. How do we do that? Let me give you a couple thoughts on how to live in the present. If you want to live in the present, you have to live in the new. You have to live in the new. You see, it's the new that distinguishes the present from the past. It's a new breath that you take that lets you know that you are in a brand new present moment than in a past moment. 
It's a new thought that you have that distinguishes the present from the past. It's a new uh, experience that you have that distinguishes the past from the present. It's the new that actually tells you you are in the present. So uh, years ago, I was a youth pastor. I haven't told this story for a long time. I was a youth pastor, and I was taking some teenagers on a missions trip to Honduras. And we actually had some adults with us as well, but we were going to Honduras. We got up, and we, we talked in front of thousands of people. It was awesome. But then we were going up into these remote villages, like two hours away in Central America. I mean, I just love this stuff, man. We're, just, we're driving up into the middle of nowhere. And along the way, there was this famous waterfall, and it was in all the brochures for Honduras and all this stuff. And, and so it was on our way. And we were going to stop. It was a little tourist spot to see this 200-foot waterfall. And it was beautiful. And so we stopped there. And we start going. We're at the top of the canyon. It's a 200-foot drop. We could see the waterfall over here. We start to, to walk to a place that's a lookout place. And there's a big caravan of us. And, and as we're walking at the top ridge of the canyon, uh, this native guy, native guy came up to me. And he was like, hey, uh, I can take you to a spot where you can have a really awesome picture of the waterfall. They're going to a spot over there, but I got a better spot over here. And I'm like, okay. And so I'm thinking, what could go wrong? So I'm at the back of the line. They're going on. So we start climbing down the cliff, like down the side of this little cliff. And like 200 feet up, and it's like awesome. And we're getting, getting down there, and all of a sudden I realize, oh, some teenagers are following me now. Like they're climbing down the edge of the cliff too. And I'm thinking... This probably isn't a good idea, but I look back, and, and I saw that there was one of the adults with us. His name was Bill. He was an ex-Navy SEAL. And I thought, well, it's okay. We, we must not be in too much danger because Bill is with us. And so if we were in too much danger, Bill, you know, Bill's with us. We're okay. Later, I found out that he thought, this is crazy, but Pastor Sean's up there. If Pastor Sean thinks it's okay, it must be okay. So that wasn't very good communication. And so we get down, and, and about halfway down into this canyon, sure enough, beautiful 200-foot waterfall. We're seeing this beautiful, man, we're taking pictures and all this stuff, and, and the other group's going on. And, and so finally the guide says, I can take you to a place. Underneath the waterfall, behind the waterfall, there's an actual cave, and I can take you there. And I'm thinking, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I'm going for it. And so we start climbing down to the bottom of the canyon, and pretty soon we're, out of, we're swimming in, in water, and we're fully clothed. We're just swimming in water, no swimming trunks or anything. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I guess this is part of the deal. We're underneath the waterfall, and, I mean, the water, I mean, it's awesome. Sure enough, there's a cave behind it. We all climb up in this cave, and we're just having the time of our lives. I'm thinking, I just really distinctly remember this feeling that I am fully alive right now. I'm experiencing, have you guys ever had one of those moments where maybe you climbed up a mountain or something, or you're just in the elements, and I felt I am fully present right now. This is amazing, and not thinking about anything else. I'm just, this is amazing, not thinking about danger or the safety of the lives of the children who are with me, but this is amazing. And, and so we start, finally we get out of there. We climb up halfway up the, the ridge again. And we're on this, this edge of, of the, the cliff seeing down into the rapids below, uh, about 40 feet up or so. And all of a sudden, the guide who took us down there does a backflip into the rapids below. And I'm like, I don't, first of all, I don't know where I'm going. What just happened here? I'm trying, to figure, I'm trying to figure this out. And all of a sudden, one of the teenagers with me jumps off after him. And I'm like... Oh, great, now I have to go. <laughs> 
And so I jump off the, the cliff, not think, I'm thinking, well, I've jumped off cliffs before in Colorado, not thinking it was much smaller, not thinking that I had a life jacket on at the time, not thinking that there weren't really rapids, not thinking that there were, you know, lifeguards there and everything else. I just thought, well, I've jumped off cliffs before. How bad could this be? And so fortunately, I had somebody snap a picture of me. This is, the upper falls are to the left. You can't see them in the picture of the 200. This is the lower descending falls into the rapids below. This is actually me in the moment I'm describing midair jumping after this kid. And uh, so I got down in the bottom, and I was like, man, that was awesome. And so I'm coming up for another round, and uh, there was some adults. You guys know adults. Can they just ruin all your fun, right? They're up at the top of the ridge, and they're yelling down through something. I'm like, okay, guys, you know, all the fun's over, and we got to go on up. Come to find out that somebody from the local church there a year earlier had died doing the exact same thing that we were doing. And, and so I'm thinking, well, that probably wasn't a good idea. <laughs> would I do it again? Yes, I wouldn't let the teenagers do it, but I would do it again because I just felt fully alive. Now, what, what would have happened? That, that was an experience I have a, a story about, and we all have stories, maybe not like that, but, but we have stories we love to tell of just being in the moment. What would have happened if I would have just, you know, we pulled up to the waterfall area, and I, I don't want to get out, guys. I don't want to get out of the van because, you know, I've seen water before. I've seen waterfalls before. I know what water feels like if I swim in it. I know what a waterfall looks like. You see, familiarity with life and comfort with life causes us to miss out on the new in our life, new experiences. I would have never been fully aware of what it was like to tell the story. Now, believe me, I can just tell the story, but I still can't describe the experience because you have to do it yourself in order to know what it's really like. And see, so many times familiarity with life, familiarity with the past, familiarity and comfort with the past keeps us from living in the new that God has for our life. But the Bible says that God's mercy is new every morning. And if we're constantly living in the familiar of our walk with God, the familiar of our relationships, the familiar of God's presence, instead of the new of God's presence, then, then we're actually living in the past and not the present. And Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It's a great song written about that. His mercies never come to an end, but they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. How many of you guys are thankful for the new mercies of God every morning? You see, what keeps what has been the problem with every move of God in all of history, what has been the downfall of every move of God in all of history is people who tried to keep it alive after it ran its course. Because somebody was not willing to step into the new. And so that's why we have denominations that fail. We have moves of God that once were full of life and full of, of vigor and full of, of God's life. Somebody tried to keep it alive because of familiarity. Somebody tried to keep it alive because they were afraid to live in the present thing that God was doing. They were afraid to open their eyes to have the awareness so that they could have access to what God was doing in the new. You see, living in the present means you live in the new that God is doing. The Bible says to sing to the Lord a new song. It's a right now song. So I'm challenging you this morning. Is there a right now song happening on the inside of your life? Is there a new in your life? Is there a new thing that God is doing? Is there a new moment that God is doing? Because you're present in the new. You're present in the new. There's a, uh, a copy of a letter that I found that was written by a church member to a worship leader. 
Now, the worship leader was changing music styles, and so the church member was not very happy about this, and so they wrote them a letter. This is always fun if you're a pastor or a worship leader, but here it is. Here's the actual letter. I'm no music scholar, but I know appropriate church music when I hear it. Last Sunday's new song, if you can call it that, sounded like a sentimental love ballad one would expect to hear crooned in a saloon. If you insist on exposing us to rubbish like this in God's house, don't be surprised if many of the faithful look for a new place to worship. How many of you guys like to receive that email at your job or something like that? I mean, you don't want to hear that. And you might think that that's like a recent letter. That's not a recent letter. That was actually written in 1863. And that was written... Uh, the song that they were concerned about was what we now know as a classic, that song, Just As I Am. And they were so concerned of this new song that it was going to, that they were willing to shut it all down and they were unwilling to step into the new. That song, Just As I Am, was what Billy Graham, when he got saved, he heard that song and he responded to an altar call and he walked down the aisle as that song was playing and he began to take that song into his crusades where millions and millions of people walked down the same aisle throughout his crusades over many decades and responded to the altar call for salvation. You see, it's, it's, if somebody had been unwilling to step into the new and see, all of our life, we've got to understand that God wants to do a new thing. Now, the second thing is this. we got to live in the near if we want to live in the present. Not just live in the new, but live in the near. There's a, a story you're probably familiar with in Scripture. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? And tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered and said, Martha, Martha. How many of you guys know you're in trouble when your name gets said twice? We don't have her middle name, but he's like, Martha, Martha. Uh, you are anxious and you are troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. He says, Martha, you're distracted by many, many things. How many of us have ever been distracted by many things? And it's sometimes the distraction of many things that keeps us from the one thing that God wants to be near to us. You know, contrary to popular belief, you cannot, human beings cannot multitask. We, we, are not, we cannot multitask. We think we can multitask, but what we are capable of is handling a number of serial tasks in rapid succession or handling automatic tasks with also some that are not so automatic, and we, we call it multitasking, but we are not capable of multitasking. We can really only do one thing well at a time. But many of us, are, most of the time, we're distracted with many, many things. And there are many things that you could do in your life. There are many things you could do with this day. There are many things you could do with this week. There are many things you could do with this year. But there are some things that you must do, the Bible says. There's some things that, this is what Jesus was talking about. He's like, you could do a lot of things, but there are some things that you must do, you must attend to. You know, when I was a kid, I had this little lizard, you know, there's lots of things you could do with a lizard in a little aquarium. You know, you could play with it, you can feed it sticks, you can feed it worms, you can, you know, pull its tails off. Not that I've ever done that before. Um, you could do a lot of different things, but one thing you must do 
is you must feed it. <laughs> because I walked in one day and realized I was having so much fun with my lizard for weeks that I had not fed the lizard, and that was the one thing that I must do. The same thing is true in our life. There's all sorts of things that we get caught up in, but there's some things we must do if we want to be present with what God is doing. And when I think about being present in the near, I think about eye contact. And I think about when you're present with somebody, it's about eye contact, right? How could Martha be present with Jesus when she was in another room? She couldn't. She was not present. She was distracted with so many things. Present means eye contact. Whenever I make eye contact with somebody, we, we, that's when we are actually present. Who are the people near you that you need to be present with? Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's that person down the street that you keep passing by and you have not stopped and made eye contact with. Because we can be in a crowd of people and not be present in that crowd. How many of you guys have ever wanted to throw your kids' friends out the car window. Anybody ever want to do that? I had people actually in second service raise their hand and say, yes, they, they have wanted to do that before. I actually have too. Let me describe this. Um, when I was, we just took a vacation recently, and so as we're going on a family vacation, my kids have their phones out, and they're texting different people, you know, and I said, guys, do not bring your friends with you on this family vacation, because if you bring them with you, I will throw them out the window. <laughs> and that means your phone is going out the window, okay? And so you ha we've all experienced this. You're sitting at a family gathering, you're sitting at a house, and everybody's looking at something. They're in the room, but they're looking at a piece of technology. Has anybody ever been there before? See, you can be in the room and not be making eye contact with the people who are near you. And so when I think of being present, I think that it's living in the near. Jesus did this so well. Mark chapter 10, verse 46, says, And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, think about this, there was a great crowd. Everywhere Jesus went, great crowd. They were following him, great crowd. Whenever he would go someplace, they were waiting for him, a great crowd. And there's a temptation to manage the crowd. It's temptation to address the crowd. There's a temptation to be distant from people as individuals and just deal with the crowd. Listen, the same temptation is true in our lives as well. It's to manage the situations, to manage the people, to manage at an arm's length, okay? And, and so we have the same temptation in our life. It says there was a great crowd, but Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, he was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be quiet and, and telling him to, to shut up, basically. And he cried out all the more. You got to like this guy because he's like, everybody's telling him to be quiet. All the religious people tell him to be quiet. And he just cries out even more. How many of you guys have kids like that? Uh, okay. Some of you guys get that later. All right. Uh, cried out all the more. And Jesus says, hold on. And he said, bring him to me. And Bartimaeus came, and they brought him up there. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus said, I, I, want, I want to be able to see. And Jesus said, all right, you are healed. What did he do? He took the crowd, and he tuned out the crowd, and he came to eye contact with the one. How many of us need to do the same thing in our own life? Take the crowd and all the distraction, shut it all out, and to bring it back to those who God has placed in the near. And that's exactly what Jesus did. The third thing is this, to live in the now. 
So we got to live in the new. We got to live in the near. We also have to live in the now. How many of you guys have ever uh, missed what God is doing at the expense of hoping for what God might do in the future? Okay, we miss what God is doing, hoping for what God might do in the future. Acts chapter twelve, verse twelve, says, "When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose na- other name was Mark, where there were many gathered together, and they were praying. Why were they gathered together and praying?" Because Peter was locked up. He was in a prison. He had four squads of soldiers all around him. He was chained up. They were getting ready to kill him the next day. They were getting ready to to, uh, take him out. And so finally, they called a prayer meeting. They said, hey, let's pray for Peter to get released from this prison. And so they're all having a prayer meeting. And all of a sudden, Peter has this what he thinks is a vision from an angel setting him free. He gets out the doors. It opens up all the doors, and pretty soon he realizes this was no vision. This angel actually set me free. I have, the prayers have been answered. I'm going to go over to the prayer meeting and let him know that the prayers have been answered. And so this is what's happening. He, he realized this. He went to the house of Mary, to the mother of John, whose other name is Mark, and they gathered together, and they were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, so he, Peter's out there knocking, The girl comes up to the door, and she's like, it's Peter. She leaves him on the outside. She runs back. She's so excited. He's still knocking. (laughs) Awkward moment. He's still out there. Hey, guys, let me in. And she runs back, and she tells them all, hey, guys, we've been praying about this, and God did it. He set Peter free. He's at the door knocking right now. And they said, what? Yay. No, they said, you are crazy. What do you mean Peter's at the door? We're praying for Peter to be released. Peter's not at the door. Can you see the little incongruency here between their prayers and between their expectations? And so Peter's still out there knocking. Finally, she convinces him to go, and they said, maybe it's his angel. They're willing to believe it's his angel versus him. Finally, they convince them to go, and they let Peter in, and Peter praises God and all this stuff. So what was happening here? They they, They didn't have now faith. They had someday faith. They didn't really believe that God was going to do what he said now. They didn't even believe their own prayers. They had someday faith. How many of you guys have ever had someday faith? Sometimes it's easier to have someday faith than it is to have now faith. To believe that God would actually do what you are praying about right now. To believe that your marriage doesn't have to be healed someday, but it can be healed today, right now. To believe that God can bring a breakthrough in your finances, not someday, not next week, but actually now. To believe that God is going to do something in in your body, in your healing in your body, not someday, not next week, not next year, but actually now, in this moment. Do you believe that at 1222 here on this Sunday that you could have an encounter with God right now that would actually be substantive in your life right now, in this moment? Now, faith. Now, faith. You see, so many times... If we don't live in the moment, we'll miss what God is doing now in exchange for just hoping for what God might do later. And that's where most of us live. But Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says this. It says, now faith, now faith. Somebody's getting it over here, okay? This kid's getting it over here. He's been getting it all service, all right? Uh, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. You realize now faith? Faith can only live in the now. Faith is not living in yesterday. Faith cannot exist in the future. Faith is only now. If you're ever going to have faith, it happens now. Now faith. It's now faith. 
It's now or never faith. You can only have faith now. Instead of someday faith, we need to have now faith and live in the now. John chapter 3, verse 1, here's a classic story. Uh, there's a man by the name of the, or who is a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night. He was kind of scared to come to Jesus during the day because he was a ruler and he didn't want to be seen probably. And he says, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God for no one can do these, things, these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, he said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see what? The kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and what is born of spirit is of the spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. There's two different things going on here, two different things that jump out at me. One is the first time he says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How do you guys know you have to be born again to even be able to see the kingdom of God and be able to recognize what is actually going on with the kingdom of God? So he says, see the kingdom of God. The second thing he says is, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You see, I think there's so many of us, when it comes to the kingdom of God, it's a little mysterious. We kind of think it's, it's one thing. We, we have accepted the kingdom of God, and we see it, but we haven't entered fully into the kingdom of God. You know, we've received Jesus as our Lord, but we haven't entered in. We can see it. We, we're, we're, we've received Jesus, but we're not walking. We're not experiencing. Why? Because we think that the kingdom of God is someday. We think it's a someday kingdom. Like someday when Jesus returns, then, then we'll experience the kingdom of God instead of a now kingdom of God. We think, we think it's a someday. And so we, we have accepted that one day we will receive a kingdom and enter it, but that's for someday. And there is some tension in the fact that Jesus did come and one day he will come and bring everything under his reign and rule where every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. But yet at the same time, do you realize when Jesus came on the planet that he said the kingdom of, of God is at hand? He said, I'm bringing it now. And yet so many of us are here and we've accepted that it will come someday but we're not walking in the kingdom of God. We have not entered the kingdom of God and what it all means into the reign of God in our life. What if I told you that Jesus is reigning and Lord now? What if I told you that Jesus is Lord today? Even in this planet right now, that Jesus is reigning and ruling right now. He's not waiting for someday. He's, he's reigning and ruling now. And those who choose to participate and enter the kingdom of God can come under the reign and rule of God in your life right now. And yet many of us aren't living in the present reality of what God wants for our life because we have accepted that there will be a someday kingdom that will enter instead of stepping into the kingdom of God and his reign and rule now. That's why I say Jesus is my government. Jesus is my government. I live under a United States government but when it comes down to it, Jesus is my government. You know, and, and, and I, you know, the Bible says to pray for your leaders and to pay taxes to Caesar and all of those things. And we do those things. And, and as long as we're running side by side where the kingdom of God and the government don't conflict, that's fine. But as soon as one conflicts from the other, I could tell you who my allegiance is to. It's not to this government. It's to his government. Now, 
Now, in the 1700s, there was a revolution when the colonies of America came and they said to England, they said, we're, we're having a revolution. Why? Because we are not you. We've, we've discovered that we don't have the same culture anymore. That we don't have the same, that we don't want you lording over our life, that we've got something else we want to see happen. And what happened? A revolution that began in their hearts that said, we're not the same, all of a sudden manifests itself into their real life. And what I'm saying today is that whenever you enter the kingdom of God and Jesus becomes your government, there's a revolution that happens in your heart that says, I'm not the same as this world. I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. Jesus is my government. Now, don't you think that would freak out the United States government if they knew that there were millions of people who down deep, as soon as, the, as, soon as you part ways with the Jesus government, there are millions of people who will not go along with you. Don't you think that would freak them out a little bit? Because I believe that as believers, that's exactly what is happening. In fact, I know it would freak a government out because that's exactly what happened in first century Rome. Whenever they demanded, you call Caesar Lord. And they said, no, we can't call Caesar Lord. We say Jesus is Lord. And because of that, they preemptively killed the people off. They killed the Christians off. Why? Because they separated and they said, Jesus is my government. Now, am I preaching something crazy here today, or am I preaching scripture here? You see, when you're in the United States of America, you seem to think that America is God. It's not, okay? It's not. Jesus is my government. Why? Because I have entered the kingdom of God. That's who I am. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. First. First. You were in this Christmas season, Isaiah chapter 9 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Do you realize that that is what happened when Jesus came at the cross? It's not a someday kingdom. But I say that the government is upon his shoulders in my life today. And so I can step into a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, a prince of peace, a everlasting father. That is the reality I live in today because Jesus is my government and the government is on his shoulders. There's no room in my heart that he doesn't reign because I'm willingly say, Jesus, become my government. Jesus, become my government. That's entering the kingdom of God. Would you guys stand up with me as we close up in prayer? Live in the new. What is God doing in in you that's new today? Live in the near. Who are those people who are around you that you need to have eye contact with in your life? And live in the now. Have you entered into the kingdom of God? Not just accepted it as a someday, but entered it in as a now faith in your life. Lord, I pray right now that there would be a revelation of this message that would sink deep in our hearts. Lord, that you would peel back the curtain in our life to be able to see the reality of what you're actually doing on this planet so that we could live presently in line with your kingdom purpose for our lives. Lord, I pray that there would be a revolution in hearts today that would reject the tyranny of this kingdom of this world and accept the the goodness of the kingdom of God in our life and and the rule and reign. Lord, that we would live presently and be able to have eyes open and be aware of what you're doing so that we could access all of what you want to do in our lives. Lord, we declare that over this people and over our hearts and over our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship one more time. 
Man, when we enter the kingdom of God, we enter into a kingdom that has no borders. It has no colors. It's simply believe, whoever shall believe. That's why we're connected with people all over this planet and all throughout history. And that's the kingdom that we live in. Amen. Isn't that so exciting? Because it blows the doors off whatever the limitations are in our current circumstance because we serve a God who is, is everlasting father. He has all provision. He, ha, he is unstoppable. He's a limitless God. How many you guys are thankful for that. Amen. All right. Next week, we're going to talk about the future and the tension of what we talked about today and looking towards the future. Uh, We'll see you then. You are dismissed. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. For more information about Journey Church or to browse our media library, visit us online at journeykc.com.